Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast. Today, our topic is developing a learning culture through coaching virtual teams that win. I'm Randy Sanders, Associate Dean of Faculty at North Central University, and today we're joined by Elizabeth Calder. Elizabeth is President of Phoenix Lifestyle Marketing. Today, our discussion will focus on the best format for you to learn and coach in a remote environment. Welcome, Elizabeth, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're going to jump right in there. So in previous episodes, we've been talking about things unique to businesses and organizations operating remotely and entirely virtually. You know, for more than a year now, uh, we've been, we had to do this shift, this global shift to virtual workspace and virtual workplaces. People have become more accustomed to video conferencing and Zoom and other platforms, but I still hear people say they would rather not turn on their camera for some reason, or they dread the virtual presentations. So this is a timely discussion and I'm so glad you're here to have it with us today. So my first question to you is how does developing and training in the virtual environment differ from the physical one? I think it, it, there are so many similarities and differences uh, between the virtual, uh, the virtual environment and your in real life kind of brick and mortar activities. As a leader, we know that culture impacts our employees' personal engagement and how they interact to do their jobs. Many people learn by seeing. And so leaders can oftentimes model behaviors, even when not in a training situation, learning and development is actually happening. So when you're in in-person meetings and in your informal hallway discussions, water cooler catch-ups, and those kind of um, inactive or um, indirect learning are taking place, um, we need to be intentional in how we replace this modeling and that indirect learning opportunities for our people. There are certain activities that happen in a brick-and-mortar face-to-face situation that we need to recreate. In, in the remote environment. So I would say that that's one of the components. So the, the, what the work that is being done, um, what what's required of our people is very similar in nature, whether they're here or there or everywhere. Um, but how we bring, you know, bring the best out of them requires to, us to think about the things that worked really well in the face-to-face and live situations and how to recreate them. Now, some some of those things are not possible to recreate. And as a result, we have to come up with a new solution that delivers that same kind of um, interaction, if you will. I like how you share the similarities of being in the physical workspace as well as the virtual environment. And for me, the key takeaway was the word intentionality. And I do believe and I agree with you that you have to be more intentional in the virtual space to ensure that we're bringing the best out of the individuals that's, you know, working together or um, collaborating on projects in the workspace. So I appreciate you sharing that. So that rolls right into the next question about coaching in the virtual space. What role does coaching play in leadership development for those that work from home? Coaching is critical to the success of any leadership development in, in initiatives, whether they're remote or or, or um, in your brick and mortar establishments. I would say that it becomes that much more critical in the remote space because it's the, back to your point about being intentional. 
there are certain things that you do to coach when you're side by side and someone's working on something and you give them the over the shoulder look or let me show you how to do this or, you know, that kind of um, impromptu um, direction or, or developmental opportunities that happen. And those don't happen. They, they don't occur by happenstance in the remote space. So it's, again, the intent of making sure that those things that would happen otherwise have the opportunity to arise in the remote space. I would say that when it comes to remote leadership development, our immediate instinct is to enroll everybody in video courses (laughs) or convert our long leadership training session into like these teleconference meetings with direct reports. And the reality is most remote leadership training is really helpful in the moment, but people don't remember it or have the ability to apply it effectively in real life situations. So I would say that coaching, it's important for us to deconstruct the effective coaching strategies that work in in real life and then deploy them in in the remote world. I like how you shared out about the different modalities and modules that Um, companies tend to do when we get into the virtual space. And you're absolutely correct. We kind of have to individualize it and and know what's right for that particular individual versus what's good for a team, um, kind of building exercise. Um, So thank you. That was spot on. And I chuckled a little bit because I I was just kind of reflecting about reflecting back on some of my own experiences of working in a virtual environment and thinking about modules and um, the different types of formats that we engage in um, on a day-to-day basis. So um, if you can share out some of the similarities and differences that we can consider for individual development versus team development, because I'm quite sure there's a difference for a person to develop as an individual in the virtual space and then coming together as a cohesive team Can you share out a little bit of the differences there and the similarities? Oh, absolutely. I would say, you know, from my perspective, in our industry is in many service-oriented companies, ensuring that the needs of the client, that the client has met is most important. That's one of the things that we know that we have to do in order to keep the lights on, right? Um, So when we think about similarities between team versus individual development, what you're looking for is to be able to build this holistic skill set that's necessary to deliver against the objective. So that full coverage or as much or close as you possibly can get to full coverage is key. So when you're looking at an individual or you're, you're evaluating your team, identifying strong suits and leveraging them while also identifying the developmental opportunities and focusing on applying the necessary mechanisms to strengthen them that's that it's that balance it's that dance between the two um is what ensures that key capabilities that are needed to ensure your client satisfaction is necessary whether that's a team oriented activity um company-wide smaller teams or at the individual level so those things the approach at a high level is very similar in understanding you know, strengths and developmental opportunities, and then creating a balance between them and determining what are the things that I need to move? What are the levers that I need to pull to maximize both? Uh, The reality is sometimes that requires from a team standpoint that you have the ability to actually bring in other team members who have strengths to offset others' developmental opportunities and also create um, training and development Um, potential that occurs in that kind of teamwork setting. But you don't necessarily have that from an individual standpoint. And from an individual standpoint, it's not necessarily team oriented where you can't 
pull somebody in. You can't pull another right arm in to um, offset, you know, the strong left arm. Um, but from an individual standpoint, then you're identifying, well, what are the additional tools and mechanisms, exercises, um, and activities that will help me to strengthen that right arm for that particular individual? I think from a people perspective, whether it's team or individual, it's really necessary for us to ensure that people, whether individual or groups, are positioned to have opportunities to win and celebrate those wins while they're strengthening those areas that need work. And so that's applicable to both teams and individuals. The balance is going to be key to morale and motivation. No one, whether in a team-oriented environment where we're all learning and growing and developing, but we're not yet delivering successfully in one area or another that helps us to win, no one wants to feel like they're falling short. And that's important both in a team environment and in an individual environment. Yeah, I heard a lot of buzzwords that kind of my eyes popped open when you shared out morale and quick wins and seeing the end first, right? So when I think of that, I know one thing that we do here at North Central, especially in the School of Business, we like to utilize um, the SOAR process. We want to see our team soar. We want to we want to focus in on their strengths and their opportunities and aspirations to get those results. So I think you you, you again you you're hitting it right on the head, and I think this is great information that you're sharing out today. So since we're talking about, we, we, we talked about the individual and then we talked about the team dynamic. Now we're, we're kind of moving down a continuum to now building that culture. So how would you say um, companies or teams can build a culture of learning and growth in the virtual space? I think from a leadership standpoint, the first and most important thing is to cultivate trust. I think that learning and development requires a bravery right? Stepping out there and one, acknowledging that there's something that I don't yet have that I need to acquire. Um, And it's not human nature to do that. So it's the uh, building of the trust and making for a safe environment for learning that encourages you to be able to admit when you don't know something and to be comfortable to ask for help, Um, but also having the right leadership that embody those types of behaviors that cultivate that trust, right? Oftentimes uh, in cultures that are not as uh, productive, people become fearful of admitting that they can't deliver one component or another of a task or a project um, that's related to their work. And then you get stuck into a space where you're covering. You're not moving forward. You're not getting better. You're not improving. You're not developing. And that's a challenge, but that's all driven by uh, leadership. I would say. Um, also providing the right tools uh, to support cultural development, nurturing collaboration, because, you know, some of our right arms are stronger than the left and we have different exercises, different knowledge and skill sets. So leveraging the the, um, subject matter experts that you have within your team, um, creating that um, culture of collaboration and encouraging and nurturing that environment where people feel comfortable to look to their neighbor and to be able to rely on one another. And that goes back to trust as well, I think. Um, I think those are fundamental areas of learning and growth. I would also say that one of the things that works well for, you know, particularly for our organization, because we're in a space that is about creativity and innovation, 
that oftentimes what we do is so very much focused on the project at, or the project or the deliverable at hand, as opposed to the focus on learning, growth, innovation, creativity. Uh, you know, dare I say the you know use the you, the old adage of thinking outside the box. And I think one of the things that works really well for us is bringing folks together regularly to to support learning that isn't necessarily directly aligned with what we need to deliver for a particular project or a client. And I think that that um, internal focus, learning about ourselves, learning how we interact with one another, some of that is helpful for the organization, but it's helpful for your whole person and your life outside of work, uh, your life with your family and your children, you know, your problem solving, your all of these things that can be helpful within the workspace, but it's really not specific to one, um, you know, to the particular projects that you're working on. I think that learning idea of the things that we could know that may not have application today, but may help us in the future, or they may not help us in the future. They may help our people to just feel comfortable that we are, that we have a thirst for a knowledge and growth as an organization, I think it is really helpful to us to, to foster that, that culture that's focused on forward momentum and tinkering and being curious. Yeah, I would say trust is the foundation of most of all of all winning teams. And I absolutely love that you said we focus on the whole person. It's not just about the task or the project at hand, but it's actually honing in on those individuals and their strengths and how they can contribute not only in the present, but also in the future. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I was going to ask you to share with us some practical strategies that we can implement today to help our people grow both as individuals and team members. I feel as if you gave us a little bit of that already, (laughs) but if you can maybe give us maybe a couple more strategies that we as individuals can implement on a day-to-day basis Um, that will help us grow in this space. And then we can also bring to the team overall. Absolutely. I think that practically the best strategy for learning and coaching in a remote environment is for us to offer rich and diverse learning opportunities, different formats. I think that the more opportunities to learn are the better. And even if it's on the same topic, and I, I think that, you know, going back to the, our chuckles earlier about let's make everything of, you know, you can get this video um, template and you can just download it, read, you know, follow along in the video and then you will have learned something somehow from a development standpoint. But you have like one avenue to teach someone this important task or teach someone this important skill. And I think that people are different. The way that we learn is different. And if I'm a visual learner, I probably require more of that if I need interaction. So there should be multiple formats for you to not just learn a skill and develop, but also to be able to further develop that skill. And then that gives our folks the opportunity to choose what format works best for them. And it it encourages them to switch between setups and to keep engaging with things that are important for them to develop. Um, As far as additional practices, I would say, is probably providing inspiration 
you know, there are video lessons that people can watch on their own time and probably activities and things, but then supplementing that with engagement that follows that up. So if you do have video format, it's not just self-select, watch the video, and we hope that you learn something, but let's come back together periodically throughout that session and let's discuss it. Let's have activities where we model behaviors that support that learning, but don't just think that you can plug and play and that, you know, everyone's going to learn that way. Um, I think making sure that there's internal, intentional internal progression to learn from the experience of other or other folks within your organization. Um, I think cross-functional is a really uh, important component of that. So not just, you know, if I'm in design and I'm learning from senior designers because I'm a junior designer, but perhaps I should be spending time with those folks that do research and insights so that I have a better understanding of how what I'm designing makes sense. Um, or, you know, the folks on the brand strategy team and how they develop strategies and how they, you know, design campaigns as a result of the strategy and the insights. I think having that broader understanding helps folks to be able to contribute at a higher level to the organization. But what someone does today isn't necessarily what they'll do tomorrow. And I think it oftentimes offers up the opportunity that as I gain these additional skills, I may be able to contribute in ways that I once was not able to, but in a way that now more effectively motivates me but because I've earned those skills. So I think the cross-functional component of learning from experience with, you know, from, from others within your company. So both within your field, but also outside of that, I think is really important. And then at the end of the day, from a remote standpoint, I would just say that that intentional component of what we discussed earlier, instilling regular one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, one-on-one, one-on-few, one-on-many. And scheduling them so that they are just like any other thing that we know that we don't move off our calendar because they're that important, but making certain that we have those regular opportunities to engage and leveraging the trust so that they're comfortable to ask questions, to seek more information, and that we can pour more into them. Intentionality. That's exactly what I'm hearing you say being very intentional, creating those water cooler moments in the virtual space, those touch points. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But this is absolutely been great. I mean, creating the water cooler moments, I think is you're exactly right. It is that intention of to create the, and we do that beyond the culture. It's not just for, to develop the um, water cooler moments from a leadership and development standpoint, because sometimes the water cooler moments or the lunchtime conversations or the um, discussion as you're walking down the hallway fosters relationships that support your development. There, you know, perhaps you didn't know that you could learn so much from this one person, but you've never really had one-on-one -on -one time with them. So making sure that we can recreate all of those things to not just from a development standpoint, but uh, on an individual level, but developing the team mentality that we're in this together and that we have people that we can rely on, even if we feel like we're out on an island uh, <laughs> in our home. Right. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. Those it's, it's those relationship building moments, bonding moments, as well as it fosters the space to be creative and 
and let your curiosity kind of run when you have those informal water cooler, as you said, walking down the hallway kind of discussions. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. As you said that, I just saw in my mind, you know, the person who's eager to connect with a leader in the hallway. Mm -hmm. I just visualized the person who hasn't yet had the opportunity to connect with the leader within the organization, but they've probably been watching them model behavior. So they're having that indirect learning. But I just envisioned the person running to catch up with that leader in the hallway. So it looked like a happenstance, like I just ran into you kind of thing. But being able to create that accessibility is important. Right. So that they not necessarily running up to catch with, up, you with, up with you in the hallway, but that they have the comfort level to be able to reach out to you, whether it's through an admin or through, you know, whomever they, they have to, whatever the communication channel is, but that they have the ability to, to connect with the folks that they think that they could learn best from. Sure, sure. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for all the insightful and helpful information that you share with us today, Elizabeth. Are there any additional practices and strategies we can implement to develop higher level skills um, on both the individual or team level? Is there any last tidbit that you would like to share out with our audience today? I would say that the model that you deploy from a remote standpoint, especially if remote is new to you and you're a leader within a team or, you know, you're running an organization, that there is a lot of there is a lot of information out there that you can tap into. But I would say try things. You know, yes, we want to be intentional, but there's because every organization is different and every culture is different and what we're delivering and how we deliver it is different. It's totally fine for us to pull information from what's working out there, you know, from podcasts such as yours and all of the reading that you can do in this space, and then identify things that you think might work and trust yourself to deploy them, identify how to maybe move, shift, or tweak them, or to determine whether or not that's not something that is working well for us. Let's try something new, but to continue to push to find those things, not just because it works today, but even what we deploy, and it seems like it's really great for right now, can become mundane, it can become trite, it can become a check in the box. So continuously learning and reading and identifying the best practices out there and identifying what else new we might be able to deploy that takes us from where we are today to where we want to be tomorrow. I think that's a great place for us to go ahead and end today's podcast. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights, and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience. Thank you so much for having me, and I truly appreciate the work that you all do. As someone who has been an advocate for virtual and remote work since before there was a coronavirus pandemic that was the catalyst for us to go to work from home. I believe in what we're doing and giving the flexibility to people to be in the best place for them to be most productive. So I really appreciate that you're all the work that your organization is doing in this space. Happy to support in any way that I can. Thank you. Have a great day.